Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What up, Josh? Chilling, man. It's cold outside. It's feeling great. Nice night for some hanging out around a fire. Perfect. We didn't have a fire, <laughs> but, but we, we do have a tanner. But if we did have a fire, it'd be perfect. We have a special guest tonight, Tanner Stockton. Hello, everybody. Hey. Tanner, tell everybody what you do at the Field Church. Well, I am, um, I'm a worship pastor here. I am... The director of content and worship and so i do a mix of working on projects uh this is like for the content side anytime we're thinking about um special ways that we can um equip the people of the field so we just put our heads together and think of ways uh you know just recently we put out um a new podcast little plug for that what does mm-hmm. the bible say about by our pastor sam Srincioni? Yep, you yep. should check it out. First episode's already there. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I love it. Second one's already out now by the time you're listening to this because mm-hmm. it comes out on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, a great little tool uh, for, especially for discipleship. Yeah, sort of like, I mean, really the hope for that is is many, you know, to be even like a little concordance mm-hmm. for somebody who's just getting into the Bible. Mm-hmm. They want to know what the Bible says about specific topics. Or for a Christian who wants some study material. So mm-hmm. that's just one of the things, um, you know, basically just anything we can think of that's going to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yeah. Um, we work on that. And then also I, um, I lead worship every week along with uh, my partner in crime, Taylor, our, the other worship pastor. Um, and we just seek to be faithful uh, each week, uh, leading our team and uh, in our church to really see God from his word every single week um, as we, you know, we're thinking about the songs we're singing and even the way we sing them, all that. So, Question. How do you feel about clapping hands in church? <laughs> um, Let's just get to it. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I did it on Sunday. Oh I do it all gosh. the time. That's... What was that song? What were we singing? Oh, nothing but the blood. I was looking. I was trying to figure out who it was. It was our whole row. And I was looking and I was trying to stare people down to make them stop. Three three, uh, new attenders right in front of me. We were all clapping. So Ben Rector put out a live album. (laughs) um, And I'm not sure which song it is, but they start this song and people start clapping along. Mm -hmm. And he stops the whole concert. And explains why you shouldn't clap. Really? For a lot, like in a live setting. And so, um, what about Sunday on worship, though? For the most part, I mean, I'm I'm just going to say not a lot of people in our church have rhythm. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know when to clap. I mean, I don't want to just be. I like to clap on the upbeat anyway. I think you're supposed to clap on the downbeat. I find myself all the time like semi clapping. Looking at me to to see when to clap. Just because, like, naturally. I I get it. Like, you just want to be a part of it. I guess for a really, I just like people to understand the real technical part of it. We're listening as musicians on stage to what we call a metronome or a click. We call Mm -hmm. it the click. 
And so we're hearing at specific, at specific points. And so when somebody decides to clap and they're in between clicks, it just gets distracting and it just throws everything off. So, so this Sunday, everybody clap at different beats. I like to go <laughs> hand in the fist. That's what the I do. Fist yeah, yeah. in the. I just yeah. Beautiful just, way to do it because you can't hear it. Mm -mm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's I would say no one do. probably hears my class, but I'd naturally start doing that when I'm when I'm worshiping. I sway. I like to sway. Isn't it funny how that happens? You just kind of start naturally. Just I found my, I like caught myself doing that. Like, why am I swaying back and forth? But you got to move a little bit. But yeah, we're not great. a a big like moving church like we don't clap you know it's funny i was talking to somebody about this on sunday and um and you i, I see it every single week even while taylor's sharing even if it's just announcements or the gospel mm -hmm. i'll not play for maybe a minute but then i'll start picking on my guitar and i'll start playing and i just see people just start moving their shoulders Side mm -hmm. to side as he gives this announcement on I don't know whatever you He's want. Like the Pied Piper just just leading us. Mm -hmm. I can't wait till everybody starts clapping on Sunday after they hear that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> please don't. Please do. Please do. Let's Love do your guys. worship, Pastor. Well, and don't do it. I uh, I give everybody permission to clap as loud <laughs> as possible. <laughs> hey, listen. And sing harmonies when loudly. you're worshiping the Lord yeah. and you're just getting into it. Just let it rip. Mm. You know, yeah. louder the better. Goodness That's what gracious. I said. <laughs> I'll definitely be playing with two in ears in. I don't want to hear a thing. <laughs> that was fun. Well, well, what? You got any take or leave it or what? We have a really um, <clears throat> organized podcast for you guys tonight, mm -hmm. and <laughs> totally planned out. Yeah, we got some take or leave it, so let's just start there. I guess we're going to open this up to Pastor Tanner as well. Yeah, well, for sure. Go. I don't want to be the only one having that. All right, well, the first one is Island Fever. So who wants to take it? Island Fever. Hmm. I'll take it. Okay, we got to take her. <laughs> nah, it's rookie mistake right here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, you're going on an island for you don't know how long, and you can take one movie with you. Mm. What's it going to be? Oh, gosh. One movie? One movie. One movie. One, movie, one pastor? One book, like all the pastor's works. Okay, so one person's work. Okay, all wait, wait what, are we, what, are, what can we bring? Because you just you said a few different things. Three things you can bring. Okay. One movie. Okay. One pastor, one book. Mm, man, it's tough. Can't one. be the Bible because you get the Bible too, so two books. Wait, what do you mean one pastor and one book? Like all his sermons, all his audio. Uh, Which would be audio. a bunch of books. No, all his audio. It's audio. audio. Okay. Yeah. So all of his sermons and then okay, one okay. book outside of the Bible. Correct. So we automatically written on your heart. We automatically have the Bible. All right. And, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out your rules here. Making them up as we go. I can tell. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead, Tim. You wanted it. So, okay. <laughs> For a book, I probably I mean, I'd probably bring something like See how holy you are. Pilgrim's Progress. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great one. Um, you actually yes. figure out what it means. Well, that's why it'd be great to bring. Yeah, you got because you got a lifetime. I mean, yeah. you know, of on one island, just reading it. Mm. And um, no, I always, I've read it a few times. I love it. It's a great book, and it is one of the books that uh, they said when people were coming over, um, like on the Mayflower and the other. Nina Two and the Pinta. ships that nobody remembers the name of. Nina and the Pinta. <laughs> <laughs> they would bring their Bible in Pilgrim's Progress. Hmm. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Yeah, it was because it's filled with scripture and it's great. It's just a great book. Um, uh, and then I guess for a movie, I don't know. I, these are the things that I'm not good at. But right now in my guy. head, I would. This is. I just love this movie. I can watch it over and over and over again. But I'd probably uh, bring uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance. Wow. Mm. I love golf, and it's just a. It's just such a good feel good movie. Mm-hmm. Will Smith and I think Matt Kevin, Damon. Yeah, is it Matt Damon? Yeah, Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's not nah, Kevin Costner. I think Yeah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Another golf movie. <laughs> um, nice and one. then as for a pastor, I don't want to just be the normal guy and say John Piper because it'd be boring. But be a great one to pick though. I really also I love listening to um, to Kevin DeYoung. Mm. I think he mm-hmm. he's he's really 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 he's smart and brilliant. Yeah. So I, I would probably bring all of his stuff. Hmm. Nice. Hmm. Well, off off the cuff, there's a lot of books. But the hardest thing is to figure out which book I would choose. I think the book that I would choose would probably be Piper's original Desiring God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because if you're sitting on an island. And all you're doing is sitting there spending time with God, like that's definitely one that um yeah, good book. sparks the heart in that way. Pastor I would listen to is probably Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. Um I listen to him probably the most now, although I love Piper, MacArthur, all those guys too. But um the way he like I feel like the way that he breaks down stuff, Tim Keller's like more I don't know, I like listening to it the most. It it jives with me the best, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. I will. And movies, man. So just one movie. Could it be like a series? Like it? Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like if you if you're picking like for instance like like what do you got? What like you if think? you're gonna go like for instance like a, no, I'm not gonna choose this, but like say Star Wars. Like you can't just have one of them. You got to have like the whole. Well, thing. but it depends if you can find it in a box set. If you can so find you, it in a box set, then you're you'd probably be all right. Box set, yeah. Like if it comes together in one package, Mm, I tell you that I know because you can't get this in a box set. For me, it'd be the Lord of the Rings. Really? You can't get it in a box set. No, you can't. Yeah, you definitely can. That's like that's one of those like if I have nothing else to watch, I could sit and watch the Lord of the Rings. Okay, easy peasy. I would definitely bring Harry Potter. Oh yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say in the first place. Well, I was thinking movie. Not tons of movies. Yeah, I guess but if I, I had to bring one of the I Harry Potters, it'd be the fourth one because it's well, it's the just because if you choose, like, you can't pick one of the Lord of the Rings because it's not the full story. You got to have the whole story, mm-hmm. right? So you got to have all three. So like with Harry Potter, it's not the you got to have the, right. all of them because full story. Okay, but yeah, Lord cool. of the Rings for me for sure. All right, <clears throat> next topic: character flaws. Hmm. <laughs> 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 See, the thing with Josh is he zigs when you think he's going to zag. <laughs> Unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Let's take it. Why not? Okay. Um, what would you say is the, um, as far as holiness goes, mm-hmm. what is the, uh, the character trait that would, would most lend itself to holiness? Mm. It's like one trait? One trait. Yeah, one trait. Hmm. And there's one right answer. So hopefully you get it right. <laughs> According to who? <laughs> <laughs> Me. <laughs> it's a holiness. 
being set apart. Character, like, give me an example of what you mean by character, just so I know we're on the same page. Okay, so what I'm thinking is, you got a guy, he's growing in, in holiness and righteousness, he's, mm-hmm. he's being sanctified. What character trait lends itself to that guy being sanctified mm-hmm. the quickest? Humility. I thought you would say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pastor Tanner? I mean, yeah, I think humility is it's almost like the key to all the others. Mm-hmm. We what do you say, think about? I was going to say, we say in counseling all the time that humility is the key to, to freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about thankfulness? I think that's a trait of humility. Mm, so kind of humility is the foundation. Right. Because if you yeah, think about like got them there. what's the birth of sin is pride. Pride. What's the, what's the, the key to, to humility, Christ yeah. is humbling yourself before the Lord. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was easy. <laughs> Give us something hard, Josh. All right. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> The topic is A, B, Pass. C, D. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually really easy. A, B, C, D. Yeah, it's not about the alphabet. I already know. <laughs> How do you know? You're the guess. You want to take it or you want to leave it? A, B, C, D. I mean, I wouldn't leave it, so yeah. we'll take it. So if you rearrange those letters and leave out the A, it leaves B, C, D, rearrange is CBD. What do you think about CBD oil? Mm, yeah. With THC in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, not with THC. No, thank you. Um, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think there's a there's been proven a lot of good health benefits. It's natural. Definitely with the people I work with in counseling, the psychotropic drugs and things you get prescribed for a lot of stuff is very harmful to you usually. And so CBD oil has a lot of properties that are natural and good for you and without the thc there's no why do you say no thc because that's the part that gets you high but it can't that's a um misnomer well what gets you high then well okay thc does get you high right any cbd oil does not have the amount of thc like you can drink Right. Tons of it. For sure. And it won't get you high. I'm saying like in marijuana, for instance, like when people get high, what's getting them high is the amount of THC. It's the problem in, right? is if you get it without THC, a lot of times it's um, it's not good. Like it's not good Like the enough. places at the health stores, CBD that they sell over the counter has some traces of THC, but not enough to ever get you high. The, right. The thing that's sinful in scripture is drunkenness, getting high. Yeah. So you take that out of the equation, the other benefits are good for you and I have no problem with it. Right. Okay. It's the it's the getting high part that's sinful. So, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, it's natural and it definitely doesn't hurt you physically in the way that a lot of psychotropic drugs do. Mm-hmm. So... It's definitely, I mean, at Nehemiah Project, for people who are coming out of some stuff or, you know, who have been maybe turned to marijuana for help in some ways, we, we help them maybe see, like, CBD is an alter- a good alternative for oh. them. So um, y'all prescribe it in a way. I mean, we, you know, definitely suggest it or encourage it right. as, like, a great alternative. So y'all kind of, like, let them know about all the alternative options out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of our partners is Sacred Earth. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they. Uh, I just listened to that podcast. That's yeah. where I got this idea. Yeah, he's that was Plug super. It. 
uh, informative. Yeah. James from Sacred mm-hmm. Earth. Great no guy. No last name. Just one, one name. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's a great guy. Um, and he's in our builders program, supports the ministry. That dude is smart. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm all about what God's created naturally. You know, it's better for you than what we make chemically. And once again, the sinful aspect is getting high. And so if it doesn't have something in it that's going to do that, then I don't have anything, any problem with it. Okay. Cool. What about you, Tanner? Any thoughts? I mean, I agree with everything you said, obviously. Um, I've uh, worked out with Mike one, this is a couple of months ago, and he mm-hmm. he gave me some CBD. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's a positive experience, like not in a weird way or like, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to like joint pain and things like that, it's very, it's very good for that. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of um, just sort of misinformation or even just people who... It's like a stigma. Yeah, they see CBD and they think, oh, you know, marijuana or weed or whatever. But you just got to get educated, I think, is the biggest mm-hmm. deal. And mm-hmm. so, um, of course, yeah, I don't have a problem with CBD. Of course, with THC, getting high, of course not. Mm-hmm. But... Um, <sighs> Definitely for I um I had it once and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I had the best night's sleep of my life. Popped up out of bed at five a.m., which is never easy for me. Yeah, and um, then I kept trying it after that and like no results. Like it was just like nothing. So well, it's just like um, like for like joint pain or, or things like that. Um, where people would take like aspirin and things like that. That if you take too much of that, like it can be harmful. Mm. Whereas CBD has none of those side effects. Right. You know, because it's just natural. You know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I felt like what James was saying on the podcast was like, you can have, like you have a CBD receptor in your mm-hmm. brain, mm-hmm. but yet we don't ever have, we don't ever take CBD. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just natural to do. Right. And like I said, obviously abusing marijuana and stuff like that, definitely do not advocate for or think that that's okay. But this is a totally different thing. But it was cool to hear Mike. Like, Mike obviously had, you know, issues with mm-hmm. addiction. Oh, yeah. He went through a huge recovery process, and he's okay with taking it. Yeah. You know, because he, he knows. And he even takes the ones with THC because yeah. he knows it won't get him high. Lower levels, obviously, that, that you could drink the whole bottle and not get high. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, certain levels can get you that way, obviously, and so... We would like once again wouldn't advocate for that. You but. can pop on a drug test though. So if you work for someone that mm-hmm. drug tests you, you may want to be careful, right? Or get get the kind that doesn't have any. You know, you can yeah. do that too. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right, well, you guys passed. You took all three, so I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, um, well. Our other favorite segment of our listeners is when Josh gets triggered. <laughs> dun, dun, so um, before we jump into what we're going to jump into with Tanner. Has anything triggered you this week, Josh? I've been pretty triggered. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> All right, for the next two minutes, Josh gets to pick whatever time. It's really hard to pick between the election and <laughs> COVID, making making a comeback. I, so I'll go with COVID. All right. Because they're people, and people are who trigger me. So try not to get us canceled. <laughs> 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 no, so what, um, what I've noticed is as soon as this the election results were um, portrayed, mm-hmm. whatever you call it, called, 
Uh, but yeah. yet there was like it's certainly not it over. It wasn't yet. official yet because Trump was going to fight it, and everyone's saying he's an idiot for fighting it and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I have no clue what's going to happen with that. Obviously, right. it looks like Biden's going to win. That's mm-hmm. that's fine, whatever. But in the same time, the first of all, there was obvious. And we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. There was obvious voter fraud that happened. Mm-hmm. It happens in every election, right? Like it's just this people on the, cheat. This on the smell test though seemed like a little bit more than usual. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So <laughs> well, smell test. Talk we, about Biden. You we know, do not sniffer. advocate for cheating <laughs> here on the Change Up Podcast. Please don't listen to Josh. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. You know, other people, not us. Um, <clears throat> so the the way the media was covering it is like there's no voter fraud. Voter or voting is always so secure. It's yeah. like no, that's one. That's not true. Two, right. like this is even more fraud that's ever, ever happened. Mm-hmm. But in the same time, so what they're doing, they're they're pumping all this information that's saying there's no voter fraud. It's a very secure election. Yada yada. Right. And then also they're pumping all these like COVID stories. Like COVID just so rampant right now. Mm-hmm. And then I, I start walking in all of my stores that I go into all the time, and masks are everywhere. Like I stopped wearing a mask mm-hmm. months ago except when I'm on campus because they require them there. Everywhere else, I guess it's required technically because Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I just don't follow that rule because I'm a rebel. <laughs> rebel at heart. <laughs> <laughs> you notice I stopped wearing them at church too. Uh, anyways, yeah. <clears throat> so everyone's wearing them now. And so it drives me nuts because the media is pumping these stories. People now, COVID has not changed. The virus has not changed. The mortality rate certainly has not changed. Mm-hmm. And yet, people are so easily swayed by these stories. Mm-hmm. You can tell that's why. Now mm-hmm. everyone's before it was like fifty-fifty. I felt like like who would wear a mask and who wouldn't. Now it's everyone's wearing one. I even put one on today because I was mm-hmm. like, I am the only dude up in here without a mask. Before I always had like one or two guys I could like check. Like yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so that's what's triggered me lately. Is just like we're just gonna pretend like this COVID thing is like such a serious deal more serious than anything else we all got to keep masks on all the time and yeah it's just i think it's just the most ridiculous thing ever that's yeah. ever happened to our society yeah i think the the thing that always gets me is i i don't doubt that there's more cases i mean it's winter time there's more cases of flu more cases of cold more, you know that, that makes sense my question has always been is the death rate but did you growing? die <laughs> that's all i care about if there's if the death rate is growing we should we should wear masks or take it seriously or figure it out. But if all we're talking about is cases, that doesn't make any sense to me because if you do the research on cold no, and if everything people are else, dying, you the mask is never the answer. It's how do you boost your immune system? How do you right. stay healthy in I the think first that's, place? That's the thing that frustrates me the most is the only solution is stay home, stay away, like control. There's not a whole lot of education on, hey, what's, what's actually going to prevent most is your health, your immune system, like what are you doing for your personal health? Because the healthier you are, the better chance you got with it, right? Yeah, totally. And so, I crushed uh, it when I got it. <laughs> no big deal. I think, too, like think about, I feel like one thing to look at is the flu numbers, too. Mm-hmm. So how yeah, many times, how many, like how many flu cases are being termed as COVID cases? No one's actually mm-hmm. died of old age in seven months. Yeah, with, which COVID <laughs> cured that. <apparently. laughs> and... Once again, I don't want to make light of anyone who, like, may die, obviously. True, true. But true. at the same time, like, there's always <laughs> – the thing about our life is that it's short regardless. Like, 
we're all going to die at some point. Now we shouldn't just, you know, do whatever we feel like doing and kill ourselves. You know, if we sow to our flesh and cause ourselves to die sooner than rather than later, it's not smart either. But, but th- things can happen. Meaning, like you could get the flu and get a bad case of pneumonia, and you can die from that. You can die from. There's a lot of things you can die from. When we first heard about COVID, we thought it was going to be like a plague situation where a lot of people are going to get it and a lot of people are going to die from it. Since, that really hasn't happened. But for some reason, it's still treated as if it's a plague. Mm -hmm. I'm not understanding that personally because if the death rate is the same, if not lower than the flu... Like, there's a certain part that we just, as a society, we end up accepting. It's half of 1%. But I'm just saying, like... In every other realm of disease, there's a certain part in the society that we just accept as like, man, we can't control that. Yeah. Heart disease, obesity, like 600 plus thousand people right. die a year of that. And we're and, just like, oh, okay, well, sorry. Right. We're not running around talking about We don't cancel fast food restaurants. We should. Right. But yeah, I'm trying to think of how to say this. I'm trying to think through um, when it comes to COVID- what I'm trying to figure out... It's also become a very political issue, which yeah. is a problem too. But th- that there's an acceptable amount in our society that we just have to accept is like sometimes bad things happen, is my point. Which it's hard to say that, but look at every other thing that plagues us. Right. Cancer, well, I think it, heart disease, obesity. Well, in the Those things could even be like... There's cure... Not, not like obviously for cancer, Human but, trafficking... Right. There's Millions things that we can do about it, and mm-hmm. we don't necessarily like we. In order to fix those things, we have to come real face, like we have to come face to face with sin. In the world with COVID, it's almost like it's hard to explain right now. There's not enough research behind it, so it's easy to freak out about it and just sort of because there's a lot of unknowns, right? Yeah, like, so what we if can we make just like for about, people dying in car wrecks, we're just like, all right, no more driving. <laughs> this is this is causing all the car wrecks. Stop driving. That, that would make no sense. We wouldn't do that. Right. Well, that's what we're doing with COVID. Because there's an acceptable amount of, like, You guys are error. spreading the disease to each other. Stop going out. Like, mm-hmm. that makes no sense. Like, right. Well, we're just going to have to get the disease and figure it out. And the other side of it is, what does it call it? Like, no one's really paying attention to the mental health issues and all the things that are rising because mm-hmm. of lockdowns and everything else, which is causing a lot more issues, too. Yeah. And so... Early on, I was all for the masks and stuff early in the shutdown because it was supposed to be for a couple weeks to basically allow our healthcare system to catch up with the need and like to flatten the curve. <laughs> and now, flatten the curve. And now it feels like I don't even know why we're. Well, and this is why this. people like me rebelled against that from the beginning because it was what it represented. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just a mask, just a lockdown for two weeks. Anytime the government takes control, they don't give out, give back those liberties. Right. And so that's why we were against it. From It's like, well, it's just a mass. What's the problem? And then from well, a Christ, Christian worldview is with the eternal perspective, this life is not the end, nor can we, like every day God gives us our breath. Like we're very rare, aware that we're not in control of the outcome. Not that we should be stupid about everything, but at the same time, there's a certain amount of like risk and this life is not is not it for us and we have an eternal perspective of man my goal here is to share the gospel serve the lord make an impact for his kingdom but ultimately i'm just passing through this life so 
what good does it do to shut everything down, change everything, like not do what God's called us to do, which is be in community, share the gospel, worship together, all these things for what? Maybe I extend my life by a year or two, possibly. If right. I don't, like, what's, what, when, when does the, when is it diminishing returns? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're in diminishing returns right now yeah. on yeah. all this stuff. What's cool, they just came out with a study on New England Journal of Medicine. This is real science, mm-hmm. peer-reviewed, all that good stuff. And they, they took 3,000 Marine um, recruits in mm-hmm. boot camp, and they locked them down quarantine style. Mm-hmm. Double masks. They controlled where they went. Double masks? Double masks. What's that mean? Two masks. Like <laughs> one mask and a second mask. I know, but like, like what's that? Is that like face shield and like... Well, could you know, like these masks we wear, like mm-hmm. the virus is way smaller than the mask. It can go right through it. It's so right. dumb. I always, it's so I dumb. I said some of the day, I was like, but can't like bacteria get into your eyeballs? Like, oh, 100%. Well, so. and that's what they said early on. They were like, well, it's not to prevent yourself from getting it. It's to prevent yourself from spreading it. Okay, well, how about if I got the virus, I won't go out? So they said, well, asymptomatic carriers can spread the disease. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, whatever. Then they found out asymptomatic carriers actually cannot spread the disease. So it's like, okay, then why are we wearing the mask? Because if I got the virus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay in the bed, obviously, for 14 days. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'm okay with that. Uh, however, if I don't have the virus, I don't need it because it's not going to pre- protect me from getting mm-hmm. it because I can get it through my eyeballs. Not to mention the virus can go right through this dumb mask I'm wearing. Mm-hmm. Not to mention if I do have it, I'm just re-breathing this virus over <laughs> and over and over. <laughs> it's just foolishness. Right. So tell me, finish your study story. Oh, the study. So they took 3,000 <laughs> Marine um, recruits, mm-hmm. kept them in a super lockdown. Like, basically what they want to do to Americans, lock mm-hmm. us down mm-hmm. for, to flatten the curve mm-hmm. or, or whatever they're saying now. It's probably a new agenda now that they're saying. Um, they had a control group that was not locked down. Mm-hmm. They, had, they were tested daily for the corona, and they found that the um, transmission rate was higher in mm-hmm. the quarantine group than it was the control group. Hmm. So there, there's obviously a ton that went into this study, mm. but you can look at the results. It's on the New England Journal of Medicine, maybe still. It was out there a week ago. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's still there. Fake but news. Just showing. It, that's, it's peer-reviewed. Mm-hmm. That's science. That's what they're claiming all their, you know, shenanigans right. on. So um, this, is, this is actual science mm-hmm. that refutes the lockdown. So um, it's. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And the sad thing is, is like, not to mention lockdowns cost us like $50 billion a day if our whole country locked down. Right. It's just like Well, the sad thing is, is, is you'd like to believe that our government or people in power wouldn't play games and stuff like that. But the reality is, if you look at history, that does happen. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, and so... Some people just like to control other people. But at the same time, what I will just say about all of this <laughs> is... You know, we always believe that gospel thrives in reality. And so hopefully people would start to think through, okay, what if all this was true? What if you did die? Like you need to start thinking about the reality that we all die and what what does that mean? What's going to happen? Where are you going to go? Who created all this? Who's really in charge? Hopefully it's causing more people to think about reality. Mm. And um, if if it does, and more people come to know Christ because of its trial that we're through as a country, then I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. At the end of the day, Amen. Yeah, and this was just like I said, I triggered. 
segment. So like <laughs> I can work through it. Was that two minutes? It has been a uh, a process to work through watching yeah. and observing that yeah. right now. Yeah, ultimately, when anything like this, this is a good case study. What I think is important is realizing that God's in control and he uses all things um, for his glory and to, to conform us into the image of Christ, Romans 8, uh, 28 and 29. So with that being said, I, I, I try to look at these situations I'm working through it is, what's the bigger picture? How is God going to use this? Mm-hmm. And I know that the gospel always thrives in reality. So if it's forcing people to get serious about life and really ask some questions, mm. then for me, I think it's an opportunity for God to grow his kingdom. And that's what's more important than whether or not we're even, we're even successful in America, right? Patriotism doesn't, doesn't go above the gospel, yeah. if that makes 100%. sense. So, not that I like it. I'm not like saying I'm I'm all for the sinful sinfulness of man and, and a government doing things that are shady. But at the same time, I know God's in control and His purpose always always comes about. And so sometimes God allows things like this to happen for the purpose of producing fruit and and forcing people to choose mm-hmm. and make decisions. Yeah, and that's been my mentality throughout. It is like. Obviously, I don't live my life triggered, but uh, I can get there. But it's more about like, <laughs> how can I um, kind of walk in step with what God's doing mm-hmm. in my life at, at certain times? So, so anyway, anyway, that's good, good stuff. <laughs> well, tonight we brought, uh, we're doing a. It's been a long time since we've done this podcast late like this. Yeah, uh, late night. It's really Special. not that late. Well, I guess it is. Ten o'clock. It is. Um, poor Tanner. Tanner, what over he's here? He's gone three times already. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Talked him into coming on. Well, the reason why we had him come on, we were hanging out before, and and um, many of you know that we're putting out a family worship album, and and woot, woot. and there's a lot of a lot of um, focus and a lot of um, thought that goes behind our worship in general, the way mm-hmm. that we do it at the field and different things, and so. I thought, man, it'd be cool to have Tanner on just to talk through a lot of that stuff and the perspective of worship mm-hmm. and biblically why we do what we do and and even kind of promote um, our family worship album and just family worship in general. Mm. So, so yeah, I'm glad you came on, even though you're a little glad tired. To be, glad to be here. Got to get him woke up. He wasn't up, prepared. So which don't is hold the best. it against him. No, it's the best. It's going to come gonna, from the heart, though. You're going to get honesty out of Tanner right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't let didn't let him prepare so that he can put on a front. Uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, first question I have, and I think uh, a lot of our listeners would love to hear, just to get to know you better as one of our pastors, is mm-hmm. how did you come to know the, the Lord, and what led you down the path of leading worship in the first place? I think that would be a good place to start. Yeah, I um, I grew up sort of, I don't know basic middle class, like Mm -hmm. upbringing. Um, Really, um, I grew up loving to spend time with my grandpa. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where it all, you know, it started because I would always go over to my grandparents' house on Saturday night, just spend the whole day with my grandpa on on Saturday and end up spending the night. And Mm -hmm. Sunday morning would come and my grandma would drag me out of the bed (laughs) and make me come to church no matter, you know, what, uh, what I was wearing, just yeah, and I and I was fortunate enough to live five houses down from my grandparents, so we just stopped by Homegate Clothes. So I grew up sort of in an atmosphere where um, 
I would always be over their house on Saturdays, and I would mm-hmm. go to church from my just my elementary days um, up until the point when I reach middle school and it becomes less cool to spend the night at your grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even still, you know, she was really faithful to call me every Sunday morning. Like, mm-hmm. come on, boy, come to church. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I would say that I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, I guess in that sense. But it wasn't until I was in um, I was in eighth grade, and I'm I'm very thankful, you know, that the Lord saved me mm-hmm. that young. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it just saves from a world of world of hurt otherwise. But so I'm grateful for that. That it's it's an ordinary story, and that there's no crazy stuff mm-hmm. that I went through that you know the Lord used to break me down. Rather, I just I remember. Um, well, I guess to you know. I was baptized when I was in sixth grade because I read all the Left Behind books. <laughs> Perfect. The ki- the kids versions. I was a I love to read. My grandma like she cultivated that in me big time, and I remember reading all of them. And there's forty books in the kids series. Really? There's a ton of them. Oh, they wow. just break them up super small. Yeah, they're like a hundred and hundred to hundred fifty pages. Huh. But I just devoured them because it's like six or seven. Normally. Twelve. Can you uh, can twelve you, in the adult series? Can you briefly explain to people like myself who didn't read any Left Behind or anything like <laughs> this is like what the goosebumps about? for Christians? <laughs> Basically, were you a goosebumps guy? Yeah, <laughs> or the, was it the Magic Treehouse? Like well, books like that? Well, goosebumps were like Maybe the too scary ones. You yeah, no, yeah. I know Magic Treehouse, but that was like a girl's book. <laughs> <laughs> I love those two unashamedly. I actually never heard of that before, but that's cool. So Left Behind, basically, I guess they wrote. The adult ones first. I'm sure they did. Um, and it was basically just like drama fiction for Christians written mm-hmm. about the rapture. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts out with just there's like these normal people. Um, and the kids' books are like spinoffs of the adults and that the kids of the adults that the rap, the, the, the adult series was written it's about. It's like their perspective. Yeah, it's like the younger kids. So. Uh. So the movie is Kirk Cameron's the star in it. Right. You know that? No. No. But oh. I know Kirk Cameron. Well, he was a star in the Left Behind okay. trilogy. And now he does oh, stuff with Ray Comfort, which if you listen to our... Uh, yeah, mm. solid guy. Our um, one with David Grantham recently. Plug. Yeah. little plug. Ray Comfort, all that good stuff. <laughs> so anyway, Left Behind. Yeah, so it's basically just drama non uh, or fiction about that. And then it kind of... It's their, the author's interpretation of what's going to happen in the end times. So right. It's really fascinating. It's written in like not, it's written in modern times, so you're reading mm-hmm. about things that you can actually imagine happening. Mm-hmm. But apocalyptic things yeah. like you know locusts with little faces coming to bite you and end your life. Like so, they're like hiding in bunkers, and mm. I, it was it was just a ton of adventure. And I mean, it's cool. It's a cool idea. Now you know sure. the theology of it. You know that's for you to decide. <laughs> But um, but it kind of made you start thinking about reality a little. I bit. got to the end of it, and I just I told my grandma, I was like, "Nanny, I don't want to go to hell." Mm. And so she sat me down um, with our pastor, and you know we went through the sinner's prayer and did all that stuff, mm-hmm. and and I got baptized. Uh, I got baptized then, but I really didn't understand. I didn't have a true understanding of salvation. Sure. You just um, didn't want to go to hell or get eaten by locusts. I wanted to go to heaven. <laughs> I wanted Jesus to be my best friend, like talking yeah, to me, sure. you know. Sure. Um, so, you know, like a pure desire, but still just not a true understanding mm. of sin and of judgment and, you know, what 
needed to happen. Mm. Um, so I kind of like once I did that, it was sort of you know I started I got older seventh and eighth grade, like just getting closer towards high school years where more you have more freedom and opened up to the world a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to this I went to this uh, it was a camp. It always happened during Mardi Gras to mm-hmm. save all of us good church kids from being a part of Mardi Gras down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went and just, I loved it. it. You know, when you're in the presence of like, of just holy things, mm-hmm. worship services, older uh, older college uh, students who love the Lord and are investing in you. Like when you're around light, you like the light, mm-hmm. especially growing up as a, you know, as a church kid, you're like, oh, this is what this is really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember getting towards the end of that camp, and there's always that you know hard hitting sermon mm-hmm. um, where the where the camp uh, pastor or preacher will share the gospel, and um, I remember where I was sitting, like I remember everything yeah. about it, and God convicted me of of my sin. Just it was yeah. as simple as that. I knew that I was full of sin and that I needed a savior, and God. Open my eyes to that, and um, that's great. And so I gave my life to Christ um, that night. Just surrendered to God as He, you know, as He as He was breaking me down, and uh, chose to believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, and then really from there, um, I came home. It was funny, you know, the guy that the guy that was sort of leading me through. I'm really thankful for it now. He didn't he didn't ask me to pray a sinner's prayer. Or anything like that, and I was expecting that because I'd done it before. I was like, "All right, so this is the real thing now. Like, let me do the real. Let me do it for real this time." But he he just told me he said, "Tanner, you don't you don't need that. Like, you know what you need to do right now. You know, you know what to say. Just pray to God now and ask Him to forgive you, and then and then uh, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, call Him Lord." And so. I was terrified, of course, you know, mm-hmm. coming upon that decision, but it was the only thing I could do. There was really nowhere, there was nowhere else to turn. Mm-hmm. And so that, that uh, weekend I gave my life to Christ and he told me, the, the, the counselor there, the, uh, it was actually, it was actually a fr- uh, my friend's dad who I'd known all my life, mm-hmm. but I had never really connected with him. And so it was kind of, I just went to the only person who I recognized at the camp but he told me, he said, Tanner, when you get home, you're going to, like, the devil's going to start attacking you. And you just need to make a decision right now to grow and to learn and to love the Lord. Mm. And you're going to have to be active. You can't just expect it to happen. And so, sure enough, I mean, I remember coming home and, like, from the get-go, the, um, just the things around me, like, just right. trying to lure me back into the things that I loved and to turn away from the Lord. And I really didn't get plugged into a church until I was, I would say, end of ninth grade year. So there was about a year of me sort of, I don't know, I just, eventually you come off that camp high, you know, the church camp high, and you just go back to what you know. And so I went to the camp again the following year, was convicted of sin again. And then right after then, uh, one of my really good friends, um, invited me to a Bible study that his brother was teaching. And his brother was, whose name is David Morris, he was teaching through, um, teaching a bunch of high school uh, seniors uh, through uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Mm. And uh, he was teaching, you know, the the smaller version of it, yeah. the 20 basic Christian beliefs. Right. 
so that they would have a foundation when they go to college to be able to stand on the truth that mm-hmm. they believed in. So I'm in ninth grade. I, I don't really know much about anything. Um, and I just start sitting and listening. And David really took us, took me, and there was a few of us, uh, a few other friends who were in ninth grade, just took us under his wing and started to disciple us. And after that study ended, we started, we studied the gospel of John for three years, mm-hmm. uh, verse by verse. And it was, I mean, I think back to that, it was just sort of that, that study um, began almost everything for me. It was sort of, I, I really believed that I was saved mm-hmm. at that time. But I, after that eighth grade uh, year experience, I just sort of fell into sin into alcohol and I mean very I mean not not terribly but it was just me and some buddies we would find an older brother to buy us a 24 pack of beer and like four of us Mm -hmm. would just get drunk on like three or four beers like just we that's what we would do on the weekends and then when that ninth grade camp came around I really began to be convicted Mm -hmm. and through going and then being discipled through the Bible study really also helped give me a good understanding that I was living a life that was not honoring to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And um, really from there, like just deciding to make new friends, like to really live or at least pursue a godly lifestyle. And so I, uh, I started going to this church called Central Bible Church, which is where the Bible study was being held. Yeah. And they preached verse by verse through the Bible. And so I was also thankful for that, that there was, I, I really have never known anything else. And of course we do that here at the field and mm-hmm. it was, you know, whenever I'm jumping way ahead, but whenever I decided mm-hmm. or wanted to decide to start coming, that was sort of, right. that was one of the biggest deals. That's like, like what you knew. I was like, Hey, do y'all preach, you know, verse by verse through books of the Bible? And I probably, I didn't even know the word expositionally. I just knew that yeah. that's what it was. And, mm-hmm. and of course I was talking to you, Chad, about that. And you were like, yeah, yeah, we do that. Absolutely. We do that. And mm-hmm. so that's all I needed to know that is this church, you know, good to go to. Yeah. But, um, through that Bible study, it was really my, my 10th grade year. I started learning guitar because one of, uh, well, really all three of my really good friends played uh, guitar really good at it. And one of those friends was Timmy McGee, who, yeah. who's here, a member of the Field Church now, and plays with us every, almost every weekend, just real faithfully. Yeah. Um, How come you didn't get good like him? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad, for not putting a guitar in my hand at four years old. Uh, no, I, Timmy's incredible. Yeah, he he's, I, I don't know, he's got an s- extreme gift. The pinball wizard. <laughs> Um, but so we started this Bible study and I started learning how to play guitar, started playing with our church band uh, on Sunday mornings, just sort of in the background, learning how to play. And our youth, the youth group that we had going needed somebody to lead. And of course I'd always tried to sing, uh, wanted to think of myself as a singer, but just never, I just, I just wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just sort of like, eh, Tanner, please just stop singing. Like, <laughs> better if you don't. Um, Hannah wouldn't say that though. No, no, no. But uh, <laughs> no, she might have. She's pretty honest. <laughs> um, and so I just, they basically, David just gave me the idea like, hey, why don't you do it? And then also our pastor at the time, Nick, uh, Pastor Nick LeBlanc was also urging me to do it. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll do it. Whatever. I know I'm not, I know I'm not any good, but like there's a need and I, know how to play guitar and I'll feel it. And so 
really from there I started playing guitar. And so music was always in the form of worship. There was it never really was anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really it, it was I was always just convicted, honestly, to go out and play other things or even just to use that gift that I felt was so like it, it felt to me so blatantly like it was from the Lord. Like all of the, the like the skills and the talent, like he gave it to me, it was from him to use it for any other purpose than but for leading worship and playing for the church and serving the church in that way. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, the second semester of my sophomore year. I started leading worship there. And then soon after that, I started also leading worship at a youth group um, and, uh, that was also in our hometown. And I did that for two years. And so for, you know, my last two and a half years of high school, I was leading worship mm-hmm. twice a week, just loving it. Like, I just really enjoyed it. And then uh, I enjoyed the aspect of building the band, like, pouring into these younger guys and girls who are playing with me. Um, and just, uh, it was just something that I, I really never, I, I really liked to do it, but I never thought of it as something that I would have, like it wouldn't be my vocation. Mm-hmm. I always imagine, yeah, of course, I'll always lead worship in the church, but I'm going to go get a real job. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been my thought process at the time. Um, but after that and into college, I just sort of, you know, I got plugged into the BCM, at LSU and was playing there and then eventually um, moved to Southeastern, um, started playing at the BCM there. Mm-hmm. And really that's what led me, um, you know, I, once I became, a, you know, the leader, maybe my second or third semester there, uh, I would get called out to go play at different, different churches in the area. And so, um, but this one time, this uh, <laughs> pastor named Chad Wiles called the BCM <laughs> and was looking for somebody to come lead and it was thanksgiving uh it was a thanksgiving weekend of uh 2016 yeah i remember that because so we just planned we had just planned the church and at that time the worship band was myself and casey strincioni sam's (laughs) wife sam and i planned the church together so it was in this little restaurant and we had a little music stand set up where sam preached from and then i Mm -hmm. had one over in the corner with a mic where casey sang from and i played the guitar and I walked over and did the slides for Sam. <laughs> and like, it was this very small little setup. And so Sam and Casey were traveling back for Thanksgiving to visit uh, family. And so I was preaching, and I was like, well, I probably shouldn't like play, sing, and preach. So maybe I can and find... And, and click do the your slides. own slides. Yeah, <laughs> a little clicker. So I was like, well, you know, and, and at the time we had met Matt Middlecamp, who was the BCM director. Yeah. And uh, I think Asa was the one who told me like hey check with matt and see if anybody mm-hmm. there could help lead um and so that's where he suggested tanner i'm like that's great you know yeah come on down like can't be worse than what i was doing because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i just kind of play as a hobby sometimes so the fact that i was leading worship was pretty do you own a guitar mm-hmm. okay you I know do. where it's at? Yeah, it's in my closet. What songs would you sing? <laughs> yeah. Like, what was your set list like normally? Honestly, I would just look up, like, different worship songs of the, the day. The Hot 20 of worship? Yeah. Like, what is it? And if, I, if it really, like... 10,000 Reasons? No. Nah. If I liked it, though, and I was What's wrong like, with 10,000 Reasons? No, I'm saying, like, I didn't play that one. Oh. That wasn't one of them. Oh, okay. I'm not saying I disliked it. <laughs> I'm just like, saying, you're like, nah, no way. No, I don't even. Like, Type trigger some, 2.0. <laughs> some Shane and Shane stuff, some Chris Tomlin, some yeah. Crowder. I don't know, whatever it was, you know, that I'd heard before. And uh, I kind of knew because I kind of just played by ear. 
and knew how to read tabs. So I'd look it up. I'd find the tabs for it. I'd learn how to play it. Casey and I'd meet up, and she'd sing it, and we'd put about four songs together, and that was worship that Sunday. That's how it went. Yeah. Sorry, I missed those days. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty good, right? You know, Tanner he showed up. He no was comment. Like, <laughs> Tanner's Tanner was probably like, ah, I could do. I could definitely do better than this. I've been to churches like that where I'm like. I really need to volunteer for worship. Mm-hmm. Here. <laughs> like it's and so bad. I would have been very happy for you to be like, I'm sure, sure yeah. Because yeah. yeah. at that time, uh, you know, for those going to our church or whoever's listening to this, don't don't remember the early days. I mean, we had like real early days. We had like 20 people in the crowd, very new Christians. Many didn't grow up in the church or grew up Catholic or whatever. And so, the idea of standing and singing a worship song was not what they were ever used to doing. Right. Which was awesome. The Lord was saving people um, who didn't know him and were coming out of a life of sin and everything, which was great. But most of them didn't own Bibles or n- never heard any of these songs. So Casey and I, early on, we would play, and we'd be the only ones singing, and they'd be standing staring at us the whole mm-hmm. time. And then Sam would preach, and they, you know, eventually they started getting, we got Bibles for them, and they started reading their Bible, and they started singing over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, early on it was just like, we were like putting on a show, I guess, and everybody's just watching us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so Tanner came into the picture pretty early in that in that uh, scheme of things. Yeah, and I, I really just remember I was telling somebody this the other day how, and like, I was impressed and like touched and felt loved and just mm-hmm. I knew that something was different at the field. Not because it was professional or anything like that, but it was all so intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Chad, you were waiting at the door mm-hmm. as I pulled up at 7 a.m., uh, which I know is, like, not... I mean, usually at 7 a.m., you're, you know, we're scurrying around, mm-hmm. but you were there, like, waiting for me, like, to greet me, which now means a ton, like, as mm-hmm. I think about that. Mm-hmm. And then having the two services, one for the volunteers, mm-hmm. there was, like, three people yeah. in that first service, <laughs> right. and I'm like... I mean, and initially I'm thinking it's a house church, so I'm I'm thinking of like pulling up into a neighborhood mm-hmm. and then into a house and like, what is this going to look like? You know, mm-hmm. I had no clue. But it was at this restaurant and everything was just so intentional. And the second service, you know, was it was pretty early still and it was also Thanksgiving week, so there's probably like seven or eight people there. <laughs> right. But I just like, I think you were preaching on Jonah 3. Yeah, something like that. We were, yeah, in, we were was, in some series at the time. I don't even remember. It was in Jonah. I remember being in Jonah, but yeah. I just loved it. And I I remember going back and telling Matt, like, Matt, that place is a real deal. And I want to go back. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, he wanted to come one time with us as well. And then you texted me that week and followed mm-hmm. up, which was a normal thing. But for me, it was like, gosh, what does this dude want again? Like, <laughs> does he want me to come lead worship at their church? Like, that's my that must be the reason for this. And I remember, like, and I only say that because it was just so arrogant and prideful. Like, I just thought, oh, he needs me, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And uh, I remember sitting down with you at Abita, mm-hmm. um, and you were just like, no, nah, I just want to get to know you, mm-hmm. which was like another step of just like, man, so this is not about any kind of pragmatism or like, let, like I need you for something, so I'm going to use you, which I would have been happy about, like sure. to feel needed, of course, you know. But it was just, I just want to sit down and get to know you. And we just talked for an hour and then, you know, eventually, you know, started coming and started uh, the internship program, I think in January, which um, I just, as soon as I came, as soon as I made the decision to start coming, I immediately moved to Hammond. 
mm-hmm. uh, to be closer. And I was also in school at Southeastern, so it made sense. Lived in Hammond for a year eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, became more involved in staff. Of course, Taylor moved down mm-hmm. uh, in March yeah. of that year. And then and so Taylor the, was already planning to come and be our worship leader. Yeah, but this punk kid. Well, little little <laughs> side note. We didn't think we'd actually have any services until like a year after we got here. That just was all the Lord leading. And so I was never supposed to be the one leading worship, but it was a necessary thing. You just stood up and did what you had to do. Thing that needed to happen. So, right. Um, so, yeah, I was I was super happy when the Lord led Tanner to our church. <laughs> And then I was like, "Hey, I got I got some vision for your life, Tanner. Take over this worship thing for me, please." <laughs> yeah, that was us. You intentionally, you know, like don't play for the first month; just get involved. Yeah. So I got to witness it a whole month. <laughs> Crazy. A whole the month time. of Chad and Casey's great, and Chad's good too. You know, but. I was serviceable, is what I would say. I was. I yeah. I, I got the job done. Right. It was endearing. That's right. It, it yeah. wasn't terrible. It sounded like kind of like what the song is supposed to sound like. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And so when Taylor came down, that's sort of whenever, even even at this point, mm-hmm. like in that I still wasn't thinking of, I, I don't even think I was really considering ministry as an option. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be a part of a church. I was sort of in between churches at the time, looking for somewhere and was ready to set roots down at a place in Hammond, but um, God had other plans, Mm -hmm. you know, and this, you know, I came for this one random Sunday and, uh, and loved it. And I think I drove at least for two, three or out of three or two or the three weeks out of December Mm -hmm. from Baton Rouge, which is not like a short drive. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I was driving longer than like I was in church, but I just loved it. Like, it was just something I wanted to be a part of. And then, of course, Taylor comes along, and we start playing together, and then it's just from there, obviously, like, God had God had a plan for, you know, the both of us. Yeah. And as time, you know, went on, just started being more and more involved. And, um, of course, that that sort of, I think, coming and even, like, discipleship with you for however, in two years, like, mm-hmm. but really those first six months to a year just really just meeting up like every single week i think eventually as i became more involved like eventually became like a paid intern and then mm-hmm. eventually a little more and then a little more until full time like when even even to the full time role i was still not totally sure but even you know god was just sort of like bringing me one step at a time mm-hmm. um and guiding us Guiding me through you and Sam mm-hmm. in ways it's like Gideon, one step at a time. That's right, one step at a time. <laughs> Little help, Little yeah. Help. Every every now and then. No, it's, it's it was cool to watch your development through that, and um, so along that journey, and I know Pastor Sam had a lot to do with this too. Right. Talk to us about shaping what worship should be at the Field Church, and, mm-hmm. and what our philosophy is in worship. Like, how how do we approach? worship at the field yeah so i was very thankful you know any church that's preaching expositionally usually mm-hmm. values like the values the um like basically what you're singing yeah not just it's not necessarily about emotionalism but mm-hmm. more so just about uh you know doxology and theology 
So like worship and worshiping rightly. Mm -hmm. And so I was grateful to have sort of a basis of that coming in. Mm -hmm. It was probably based more on arrogance than like, you know, um, doxology. It's more about theology to me. Right. But um, very early on, um, I I wish I could remember the exact time. It was like in the spring of 2017. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam came up to Taylor and I and just really urged us to write a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were both like, <laughs> well, you've never done that before, so you must not, like, of course, like, it's easy to say that. It's hard to do. Right. But we were going through, um, we were going through Psalm 1 as a church, uh, memorizing it, and, uh, you know, Sam was preaching on it, I think, for, like, f- five or six weeks. And um, we thought that it'd be great to write a song from Psalm 1. So mm-hmm. we wrote that first song called Blessed. And I think that was sort of, like, uh, the start of the process of us thinking through, okay, what are we singing and why are we singing it? Mm-hmm. And um, because I think, I think at that point we were still sort of growing in our in our understanding of like how to lead our people mm-hmm. very much. And uh, when we did that, it's like you know you you sing this song that's full of scripture. And then you put it up next to this other song that's light on theology and just sort of all about emotionalism. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't match. Like you just sing one and you sing the other, like, man, that was great. And then that's just like, honestly, what does it for me is if I look at the lyrics mm-hmm. and I look at this one song that's full of scripture and I look at another that's just sort of like two verses that are like four lines each and like a chorus. Right. But you sing it 15,000 times. And it's like, oh, this powerful, great worship song. But it's, and it, God can use that and does use that every single week in worship throughout churches all across the world. But it can lend itself to just getting you worked up emotionally, not necessarily drawing you closer to God. Right. And we um, really, after that, it kind of sparked the, you know, the idea of us continuing to write songs. Mm-hmm. And Sam was so instrumental in like pushing us to do that. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't an option. You know, we right. had to do it. And so it was like, are you wrote one song? Now give me another one. You know, <laughs> now another one, now another one. And so Taylor and I really just started writing until we eventually, you know, written those collection of songs and put out our first album uh, as gospel folk, uh, Blessed. Uh, we put out Blessed in, you know, August of um, 20, what was it, 2019. Mm. So that's, that's still like a two-year process from, you know, the first time we wrote a song until right. the album dropped. Um but it, it's so important to us to sing these songs that are so filled with the scriptures because as we sing, we are training our hearts, training our minds, training mm-hmm. uh, just our even our, our lips to, to say certain things, to believe certain things. Mm-hmm. And music is so powerful because it does. It evokes feelings. Like it's, right. There's a reason why those songs are so powerful mm-hmm. because the music behind them um, brings about this... It, you could even call it like a mini transformation mm-hmm. um, as like you sing the song. And so for me, it's always been, okay, well, that's great. Most of those songs, though, are not that great theologically. Like mm-hmm. they're not necessarily bad, but they're just kind of like mm-hmm. lukewarm. And you well, know what Jesus does with lukewarm. Context too. Like you yeah. could keep the refrain going on your head and like next thing you know, you're not even thinking about God when you're singing it. Right. Like, if you can, yeah, I mean, you know, it's so corny and, People say it all the time, but if you can replace Jesus with the name of your girlfriend, it's probably not a great song. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Never yeah. heard that. Yeah. 
That's, that's true, yeah. So we, I mean, just as much as we can and really with as much effort, I mean, if we're playing a song, it's because we've reviewed it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And and are meditating upon it or we've written it mm-hmm. or somebody else has written it that we can clearly see the scripture references and yeah. what better way to worship God than singing his word. Right. Um, you can't go wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's, it's honoring to God mm-hmm. and it's satisfying to us. Yeah. Whenever we fill our, our hearts and our minds with these songs that are just God's thoughts as we sing them back yeah. to him. As one of our pastors, how would you instruct our listeners or our people at our church in what worship is about and what they should be coming to worship with? Meaning like when they're listening to worship songs or when they're there on Sundays, what's what are you trying to guide or shepherd the posture of our hearts to do? Yeah, so, you know, worship, mm-hmm. if we just broke it down, mm-hmm. worth-ship. Like as we worship, we're proclaiming the worth of another. Mm-hmm. Um and really, you know, like we could argue about this, but I, I think that like what we do on a Sunday morning as we sing these songs, it's part of a progression of worship mm-hmm. that's leading to the hearing of God's word. Mm-hmm. It's setting your mind upon the things of God, mm-hmm. um, you know, singing songs and uh, psalms and spiritual songs, and these hymns that are um, that are training our hearts and that are, discipling us really mm-hmm. into the right posture um, before we get to God's word. Mm-hmm. And so I think our greatest desire, my greatest desire for our people when we walk in is that is to know that like we're not just playing this first song with high energy just so you can get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, But the most important thing to me and to, to Taylor and I is the um, – is the content of it. Mm-hmm. Like we're singing these songs to prepare our hearts. You know, we, we go through this progression of worship every single, every single week where we see God, number one, because the gospel, we try to model it. We do. We don't try to. We do model it after the gospel. It always must begin with the holiness of God. We have to see him uh, in his holiness. And then we see ourselves after we see God in his holiness. And so we sing a song that, um, and it, it doesn't always fit, uh, you know, like a puzzle, but a song that's either confession related or a song about our state before God. And then we have in our service, we have confession time mm-hmm. where we go before the Lord to clear our consciences, to be honest before him. Mm-hmm. If you like, you know, we always, we just, we want to like, order the service in such a way that somebody can't just come in and be a spectator. Mm -hmm. Worship is not, church is not a spectator. um, I don't want to call it a sport, but like it's not a spectating thing. It's not consumerism. It's it's about actively meeting and actively um, communing with God. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And then, you know, we... I think a lot of people just think it's like, oh, they're going to entertain me and I'll learn something along right. the way. Like right. That's like the best right. it could be. But the the mentality, a lot of times, what I'm going to get out of it, mm-hmm. what's right. about me versus, man, I'm coming here to worship God and to serve others or to, to contribute. Right, yeah. right. It's an opportunity every single week to 
come and meet with God. It's you know, it's the it's the fuel for the week. Mm-hmm. That's why Sunday's the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, we right. we give God our first fruits. Mm-hmm. We spend that, and really, it's <laughs> it's not the Lord's hour, right? But the mm-hmm. Lord's day. <laughs> you know, that's right. that's right. Yeah. And so we should be preparing our heart. You know, we should be preparing our hearts even before. You know. Pastor Sam has talked about, mm-hmm. you know, you should be readying your heart on Saturday evenings, mm-hmm. spending time in prayer or in worship or whatever it is, getting ready for what's to come on Sunday so that your heart will be prepared to, to receive. Yeah. And um, the more you do that, the, the more enriching, like the more, I mean, the more uh, uh, sanctifying it will be as you, as you sing these songs because it's. I mean, you can you can guarantee you can have the guarantee and promise from me mm-hmm. that these songs are not picked lightly, mm-hmm. and they're picked with purpose, and they're picked with our people in mind. Like, yeah. Even you know, as we write our songs, we're not thinking of mm-hmm. anything anybody else other than right. the people that God has given us. Right. And I see our worship as another, you know, as an as an extension or or the holistic version of discipling our people and mm-hmm. leading our people and and teaching our people the scriptures and it's just different form you know worship has a different place in that way and so it's a good transition into what we're doing with our family worship album right and discipleship of the families and and helping and so i want to read deuteronomy 6 which is where mm. this is the the platform for this and i want to hear you guys and josh you you uh, wrote a lot of these songs kind of talk through the heart of our family worship album and really how that's contributing to and leading us into just encouraging family worship overall. Mm-hmm. And so Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, says this. says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so this is that commandment of the Lord, kind of the great commission of the Old Testament, the greatest commandment first, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, body, and soul. And then the working out of that, love your neighbor as yourself. And what should we be doing as we love the Lord, which is teaching them diligently to our children, to our household, to those right. as we walk by the way, sharing the gospel, telling people about the Lord. And so we, we value highly in our church, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And one of the ways that plays out is the command to fathers, to families, to moms, to disciple their children, disciple their families in right. the word of God. And so you guys have put together a family worship album. Mm-hmm. So talk us through what's the purpose of this album, and what are these songs for? Yeah, about a year ago, maybe maybe more, I'm not sure, Josh came to Taylor and I with this collection of songs. Um, songs that um, were written, that Josh wrote uh, for his family. And uh, Taylor and I were just pumped about him. And uh, because we knew that he was sort of working, we would get sort of snippets from you. Yeah. Um, but... You you kind of sent us like a full package almost, yeah, um, which was awesome. Kind of saved them all, one big bang at the end. Yeah, um, and we really didn't even. Of course, we had an idea of what it could be, 
we really weren't even quite um, sure what it would end up. Right. And, you know, we sit here today, you know, just this last Friday we recorded, um, we recorded a live worship album full of all of these songs, Mm -hmm. which happened to happen exactly a year after you sat with your community group and started started uh, playing them. I played God Made Me for them that day. It was fun. Yeah, and so... um, for uh, from my perspective, from my perspective, why this album is important and the purpose of it, it's really what it is is a tool for our people to um, use in family worship. It's mm-hmm. called a family worship album for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not a children's worship album. It's not a kids worship album. It's not just a worship album. It's a family worship album. Right. Uh, very intentionally because we want these songs to be used in the family in. Uh, the context of everybody, like we, you know, we read in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. six, it's their fathers teaching their children to, um, teaching their children to obey the to obey the commands of the Lord, and so this album is a tool to do that. It's to equip our people mm-hmm. to have a collection of songs that they can um, they can go to. You know, we want to be able to teach our people what family worship looks like, and it yeah. can look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but from my perspective, it's that's what it is. It's a, it's going to be like an something that lasts a long time. Songs right. that, because they're written out of the scriptures, so it's timeless. Yeah, in that sense. Yeah, for me, it's like I didn't grow up in a house where we were discipled. Yeah, like I didn't grow up in a church home. So um, when I became a Christian, it was very much so lived um, on an island, and it was just really just because I wanted to be a part of the, the Christian group. And, you know, by the mm-hmm. grace of God, he used that and he he held me in his in his family. And so when I started being discipled, I read a book called Family Shepherd, which we went through as men of the field church. We, like, got together and did a, a Bible study called Family Shepherd, and I read through that. And really what I saw is, like, the greatest conviction of a man who is a Christian, also a husband and a father, is if he's not discipling his kids, like he's not doing the first thing right. Like right. that is really like the the primary thing you should be doing as a husband and as a father who is a Christian. Like it's just it goes without saying. And I think in our culture we're losing so much of that because mm-hmm. so many people are not churched that it's no longer this foregone conclusion that you're discipling your kids at home. I certainly wasn't. I didn't even know. I just like I was just like most people. Well, you're people. discipling them in something, but are you discipling them in the right yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly, because mm-hmm. more is caught than taught, as we mm-hmm. always say. And so, like, what were they seeing? Um, are they seeing you, like, go to church maybe once, twice a month because you got these other things that are important? They catch all that. And so I was right. – r- what really struck me was the statistic that I've shared multiple times, but – 70 to 90% of students who grow up in a Christian home will leave their faith by the end of right. their freshman year in college. Right. And so that hit me towards like, I got four kids. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me maybe one of them will continue as a Christian? Like, mm-hmm. how, do I, how do I ensure that this is not true? Right. And so through a lot of reading, I was like, well, one, they got to see a genuine faith lived out. Two, they got to have the truth of God's word in, in their hearts. Mm. And so it started, this whole process started as me trying to do a family discipleship seminar. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to, because we weren't really like, as a church, we had a children's section mm-hmm. and we had, you know, Chad and Sam doing the adults. 
And like, I was like trying to connect men, but also like I had this just burning passion to like, mm -hmm. I want all men to care about their kids as much. Cause like, right. they don't know it because I've seen it and I'm convicted of it. They don't know it, but like their kids may not continue in the faith. Right. And so I wanted to like, just make our whole church aware of this. So me and a couple of guys sat down and, and Kirstie too. Um, we sat down to like make the seminar. Anyways, mm -hmm. after a few months, it didn't work out. And so mm -hmm. we're like, we couldn't get off the ground. It's like, this is hard. We all got so much going on. So it, it just kind of came out of the defeat of that. I was like, well, I told Britt, I was like, I'm going to write some songs. Mm. And uh, she rolled her eyes at me. She was like, you know, I'm time to write any songs. <laughs> You're not a songwriter. Like, you just stop. Like, do less. God bless. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but no, so that the night I told her that, we were driving in the car. I got home and I wrote, teach them, mm -hmm. Deuteronomy 6, mm. and then You Are the Lord's, which is the next song. And uh, they just like came out. Like in one night I wrote both of those. And she kind of was like, uh, okay, like, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not bad. It's not, <laughs> and I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm writing them. Right. And so I just kept, like, over the next few months, they kept coming out and, like, totally from the Lord. Like, mm -hmm. they just, like, yeah. I would just pray about a scripture that I wanted my kids to know, mm -hmm. and then I would try to write a song around that. And they just, they kept coming out in that in that way. But um, it's... They're just songs, and they are scriptures, so that they're more powerful because of that. Mm -hmm. And um, overall, though, it was like this mentality of like, what can we do all the time? We can always sing. You right. know? If my kids know all of these songs, that's more scripture than I knew. Like as a 33-year-old man, <laughs> that's more right. scripture than I know right. now almost. So like, they're going to be way better off as right. far as lasting in the faith. Than, right. than most students. And Pastor Sam sent us this uh, link from the Gospel Coalition an article and to go with what you're saying. It says, and the, it's the entitled "Why You Stay in Church When They Grow Up." Kind of talking about okay, that there's a lot of kids leaving the faith. So what's the factors that they they end up staying in the faith and and continuing on in their adult life, loving the Lord? And the three factors were they are converted, they are they have been equipped, not entertained. And their parents preach the gospel to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Bible's clear that if we obviously they got to make their own decisions, but it's way more likely that they'll grow up and, and continue on loving the Lord when their parents lived out the gospel and actually taught the gospel to them and taught yeah. the Bible to them. Right. And the village church does a good job. And this helped me too. We went to a village one oh one and they're all about the uh pray, sing and read. And they just break it down simple. And that's really all we have to do as a dad. Mm -hmm. We pray with them, we sing with them, we read the Bible with them. Right. Those three things. And then if you're doing that every night, like over time, right. like that's going to really, really build up mm -hmm. and um, create some lasting changes and lasting impact on them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're excited. And as a church, you know, Sam and I and... um and he, he kind of started down this road of asking the question, were we doing the best we could to equip our parents and, and actually, you know, lead out in family worship as a church? And so uh, realizing that there was a lot that we could improve on in that way. And mm -hmm. so we've been working diligently um, for the past few months, thinking through with our staff and our, some of our children's leaders to really develop more of a family um ministry model in the field church um, to equip parents to 
to not um, not um, take away their responsibility, but figure out how we can come alongside and enhance right. them discipling their children. Yeah. Um, and so our kids' ministry is going to look a lot different uh, come this next year in a great way. We're excited in this family worship album. Well, I think the biggest obstacle we all face is just the culture. Like mm-hmm. we all, I think, are the victims of like we think it's the church's responsibility mm-hmm. to train our kids, but they get an hour a week with our kids. Mm-hmm. And the culture, and it's getting worse and worse every every year, is so loud that like it does not allow for mm-hmm. like one hour a week is not enough for our kids to to keep these truths mm-hmm. in their hearts to combat the culture they're gonna face through middle school and high school years. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not even close. They gotta hear the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times. Like right. and it's our job. Like we're with them the most. You right. Know? So we it's that culture I think that we're combating the most. Right. Yeah, I agree. And so I'm excited about all this. And I will say, you know, you guys are working on recording. The songs are out in a version right now for us to get familiar with. But you guys are working on a a full recording. We had the family worship night the other night where you guys did a live recording aspect of it and video and all this fun stuff. And um, I'm excited for it to come out and for it to be a staple. Uh, It already is a staple in our home. We listen to the songs on YouTube all the time. Um, but I'm excited for the final version, yeah, and absolutely. I'll just I'll just do a little plug. You don't even have to say it, but if you're a, a parent listening to this, or even if you're not and you're in our church, uh, there there couldn't be anything better for us to invest in than mm. things like this. And so, go to go to um, our website, click give, and then there's a little drop down for the Gospel Folk Family Worship album because um, it's not fully funded yet. And give what you can. Give fifty bucks. Give a hundred bucks. Give more if you can. Now let's get this thing recorded and put out because there's nothing more important that we can invest in than our families and family worship, for yeah. sure. Right. If you go to, I mean, we try to make it as as easy as possible. But if you go to thefieldnola.com/slash/family-dash-worship-dash-album, mm-hmm. everything is right there for you. Whether it be the YouTube videos, mm-hmm. the SoundCloud files. You know, we and I've tried to use this analogy a lot because I think a lot of you know people may be thinking, why are we even pursuing this mm-hmm. um, to continue recording if we have a version of it out? Mm-hmm. And um, we just know how beneficial it will be. And even it's just going to be more, the songs are going to sound professional. That's mm-hmm. what we're going for. We're going to do everything to the best of our ability. And uh, you know, like I've told, told you, mm-hmm. It's like uh, when you play baseball in your backyard, you're you're pretty stinking good at it because all you have to do is compare yourself to yourself, and <laughs> you're good. Um, but then when you go to a pro game, you realize that you stink <laughs> and that there's people out there that God has given gifts and talents to that mm-hmm. are much greater. And so just to encourage you to, to think about that as we make something timeless, mm-hmm. it's going to, that's what, you know, this album is going to be on our hearts and minds for years and years mm-hmm. to come as you think about the songs that you know right now that you learned in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, stuff sticks with you. Well, we don't want any obstacles to it either. Like when I had the songs a year ago, like we would try to sing them and then I'd have to go get the guitar and I couldn't remember the words and I'd have to right. go get the... And now even it, it's it's on YouTube, but it's got the ads. It's on SoundCloud. It's got the ads. So like we want no obstacles. We want it on right. SoundCloud. 
or I'm sorry, Spotify, Spotify iTunes. Yeah, just easy. Like you know, it's in your car. Like you it's, CDs. It's always there. Yeah, and so we we want no excuses for mm-hmm. why we're not you know en- enriching our kids' hearts right. in the truths of Scripture. And worship defined is more than music. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. worship defined is whatever you seek, whatever you put your hope in, whatever you spend your time on, whatever you whatever you put your all into, whatever you look to, that's what you're worshiping. And what I love about worship on Sundays or this album or whatever is, and what what you guys do for our church is that you're helping us sing the scriptures back to God, which is building our belief in God. And that's, that's what truly worship is. And so right. um, I just encourage everybody um, to... Listen to y'all's stuff. Obviously, you know, come worship on Sundays. But more than anything else, realize that worshiping God is the most important thing that we can do. Mm. So appreciate all that you do for our church. Thanks for coming on last minute. <laughs> all you got to do is hang out with Josh and Chad if you want to get on the change-up. <laughs> That's right. So, After 9 p.m. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Just there's be some sacrifice. Yeah. Just be around. Good stuff. All right, brother. Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Change Up podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.